is Adam, and we had the opportunity to talk to Ben of Old Sea Brigade over Zoom video. Ben grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and he talked about how he got into music. He learned piano at an early age, but it wasn't until he heard Green Day that his life really changed as far as music went. He learned how to play bass, started a Green Day cover band in middle school where they performed When I Come Around at the talent show. I think they did another Green Day song the year later. He played in different hardcore bands and emo bands growing up. We reminisce a lot about that scene because they were about the same age. He talked about moving to Nashville, transitioning into a different sound with uh, the singer-songwriter thing and Old Sea Brigade, putting out the very first song with Old Sea Brigade, which was Love Brought Weight, and that song became massive for him. It has over 47 million streams on Spotify alone. And that really catapulted his career with that first EP, the self-titled Old Sea Brigade. He talked about putting out his first few EPs, getting signed to a record label, his debut album, touring across Europe and overseas for the first time, and all about his brand new record, which is called Motivational Speaking. You can watch our interview with Ben on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Old Sea Brigade. Our podcast is about you, your journey in music, and of course, the new record that you just put out, uh, Motivational. Uh, most of, ugh, I can't speak. Motivational Speaking. Yes. I can't apparently do right now. <laughs> cool, yeah. man. Uh, born and raised where uh, Georgia, correct? Yeah, in Atlanta, and then I um, moved around a bunch. I went, I was down in Miami, then moved to Athens, Georgia, moved to New York, and then found my way to Nashville. Awesome. Are you in Nashville now? Yeah, I've been here for about seven, seven or eight years. Oh, awesome! My family just—we literally moved here about six months ago. Okay, you're yeah. in Nashville too. Yeah, well, we're in uh, like South by Franklin. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. 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 We were from San Diego originally. We moved out here like, like, oh, I said, like in the beginning of March. Yeah. We love it here. It's amazing. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It's so beautiful cool. down there near Franklin. Yeah. We love it. It's really cool. We're, I mean, we have two kids, so we wanted to be in the burbs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it makes everything a little easier. Yeah. We love it though. It's, it's, it's rad. So you born in, in Atlanta. How long were you there for? Um, until I graduated uh, high school. Oh, wow. Okay. So you spent some time there. What was it like growing up in Atlanta? I liked it. Um, there was a good music scene. Um, I think, uh, I mean, the music scene there was like, yeah, pretty prominent. I mean, as far as like different styles of music go. And then I think as like Nashville grew, a lot of like the indie rock bands started picking up and moving to Nashville. And because um, growing up, I was always like, thought of Nashville as a, like a country town. And then I, so think, did I, right? I think that caused a lot of the Atlanta um, acts who were, you know, maybe not in the R&B and hip hop world to pick up and move to Nashville because it was so close. But when I was growing up in Atlanta, I mean, it was a, it was a cool little scene. I mean, so many great venues, you know, Tabernacle, Masquerade, uh, the Roxy. Like, I just remember going to so many shows um, and just playing in a million bands. Okay. This, I was going to, I'm curious where your musical journey started, but isn't it funny how like, I also assume that country music was just like, that was it here in Nashville. And even to like, 
the past like within two years i thought that and then i was yeah. i was as this podcast kept going i was talking to more and more even like indie bands like uh emo bands are like oh yeah i'm moving natural like wait what yeah I <laughs> it's had, crazy uh, yeah, I had no interest in even like visiting Nashville. Like it was never on my radar. I never came here until I moved in 2014. Um, but uh, we always went to like Chattanooga and stuff for like, okay. you know, there was like the aquarium there before Atlanta had the aquarium. So we'd go up to like Chattanooga and I knew Nashville was just, you know, another two hours up the road. But um, And I was so into music, but I just, I always just associated Nashville as country music town. And I guess it was kind of when I, you know, early 2000 you know mid 2000s and then 90s obviously mm-hmm. uh it was like starting to transform i suppose but um atlanta was it, it's a it's a great city um very diverse and i just like i think it has so much to offer um i think i was able to pick up a lot of different influences there and lucky to meet a lot of inspiring um artists so it's yeah. a pretty big time. I mean, for even entertainment, right? I mean, they shoot a lot of shows and movies and stuff there too, yeah, right? Now, like, become the LA, I guess, of the South. Yeah, it's pretty cool how that all kind of <laughs> unfolded there. That's rad. Yeah. Well, um, how did you get into music originally? Um, my buddies and I wanted to start like a Green Day cover band when we were, I don't know, twelve years old. So I started playing bass. So, uh, and then we would just play like our school talent show like you know the middle school talent show <laughs> we're we're about the same age what record did you get like when like what record from green day was the one that like really got your uh interest? i think it was warning and dookie were both okay that's the same there. with me when i heard dookie like it was i was in fourth grade and my like life changed like that yeah day. i think i was about the same <laughs> and, uh, we spent like all year trying to learn how to play when i come around okay uh, and uh that baseline is rad where it like it stops and it has like the dirt. <laughs> that was so hard for me to learn, but I I remember like working on that for like six months. <laughs> That's yeah. rad. I wanted to be Billy Joe too as a kid. I mean, I only really learned how to play Green Day songs for I mean on guitar and poor. I can play like power chords. My but. friend's dad took us to see Green Day play and I just remember we were so young and they you know, they were just like curse words and it, we we didn't understand what half of the stuff you know the stage banter they were saying but sure um i think my friend's dad's face was pretty red <laughs> <laughs> what tour did you see him on do you remember i can't even remember i don't even know That's um, cool. but uh yeah so we like we played when i come around at her like our middle school talent show and then i think the next year we played a different green day song and then i kind of got into uh I, you know, there was like a big emo hardcore mm-hmm. thing. Um, so I like started playing in a lot of those types of bands. Um, and, you know, I'm not like super <laughs> proud of that era, but I definitely learned a lot from that. Um, I mean, we'd go out and I'd learn how to book shows and, you know, how to sell merch and mm-hmm. uh, just how to like work a crowd from the stage and all of that. So, I mean, I guess it, it, it was formative to a degree, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That I mean, is, that's kind of in our generation. That's kind yeah. of how the progression went, right? It was like punk rock, like you know, Green Day, Rancid, those type of bands, and then yeah, it was like onto anti- the anti flag and yeah, like, yeah oh, anti flag. Oh man, trio. I was just going. I go down these rabbit. That's holes. like my life. <laughs> I go down these rabbit holes. Um, I I still love a lot of these bands, and I saw Same I thought was going on tour that Bad Religion, so I'm gonna try to go down to Atlanta for that. But, um. 
Yeah, it's so funny. Like whenever I meet people in Nashville, and um, you know, everyone, some some guys will be like, you know, probably around our age. I'm 30, and uh, like, yeah, I grew up listening to Waylon and all this stuff. Like, no, you know, had like five Taking Back Sunday CDs too. Right. You, you know. Yeah. You know. You don't tell your friends. Every yeah. kid did. <laughs> You're not fooling anybody. <laughs> right. Right. That's so. I didn't realize the alkaline. That's the one thing I have noticed though about Nashville is like what I I haven't yet to been to a show because yeah. like, no one's really doing anything yet. Right. Like, we we my family and I've walked around like you know broadway like the most touristy yeah. area and like it's cool to see in like the bars and stuff there's always like a band like which i was shocked i was like whoa like this is crazy like there's live music everywhere yeah um but i'll look at tour schedules and i'm like oh like alkaline trio for example i'm like yeah, oh. yeah. and like that was one thing about san diego is they would always come through those bands would usually come yeah. through san diego because they're in la and it was like oh, okay why not yeah i'm down but even like like even that pop or even that tour with green day they're not playing here yeah either. You know, it's so funny. I growing up in Atlanta, I always wished I was really into skateboarding too. And like, I always I fantasized <laughs> that I grew up in Southern California. Like that was where I wanted to be, even though I I didn't go there till I was like fifteen. But that's funny. Yeah, it was huge. That I mean, a lot of the companies came out of there, and yeah. the greats came out of San Diego, yeah. which is huge for. I mean, same with me. Like that's really how I got into music. Like Misfits and all that was from. Oh yeah, Toy Machine videos and like yeah. the Zero videos. I was so into skateboarding, like. It was just all I did, and I was I wasn't good at it at all, um, <laughs> and I like kept hurting myself. So I kind of just probably like a lot of people just gravitated towards music, music um, yeah. because the two coincided. That's I, cool. I so well, okay, yeah, I know that's a bummer that these bands don't come through here though. But some of them do. <laughs> some of them will play like uh, the Brooklyn Bull. I've seen a few yeah. names on there, but yeah. in that in that world at least, Amber but, Lynn uh, is coming through to play. Um, oh, are they? Yeah, my and my one of my best friends is actually mixing their new record right now. So that is awesome. That's yeah. that's really rad. Yeah, I saw like Bayside because I think those guys live in Franklin. They play they they'll play Brooklyn. They live Bowl. in Franklin, really? Yeah, yeah. Or at least uh, Anthony does the singer. He yeah, lives I in saw Franklin. him on a flight back. I think I was flying back from like L.A. to Nashville, and I saw him on the flight, and I didn't want to say anything, but but I was like, I'm also like the only one in this entire airport that probably knows knows who he is <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude that's well that's funny is how that's kind of how our eyes got on the radar for for nashville it was like when i started when we started the podcast i was interviewing like i interviewed anthony from bayside and, yeah. and ryan key from you know yellow card lives in franklin yeah. okay like all these people kept saying frank chris caraba from dashboard like yeah. all these people and i'm like where the hell is franklin <laughs> and then like i realized Oh, it's like about 30 minutes south of Nashville. That kind of makes sense. Nashville, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. Okay, so was bass the first instrument you learned how to play? Uh, piano. Okay. Um, but I wasn't learning. I, I I didn't learn, like, the songs I wanted to learn on piano. It was very basic, you know. Like classical stuff? Yeah. Um, and then, but I'm very grateful that my parents forced me to learn piano at an early age and then i gravitated towards bass and then from bass learned guitar and then and now i like i play a little bit of everything i'm not like i'd say guitar is my main instrument but like mm -hmm. you would never hire me to play guitar in your band you know like i'm not that good of a guitar player like a shredder. Like, yeah i'm not a shred person i can like finger pick really well and do a couple things but um 
I Which think is something I'm, I'm always envious of. Like that's, I wish <laughs> I would have learned how to finger pick because that guitar playing sounds so cool. And it's yeah. like, I can smash a power chord, but then I'm like, oh, well, this isn't as fun as like <laughs> listening to somebody. Yeah, when I was like 19, I was like, I'm going to learn how to finger pick. And I spent all year just like practicing with a metronome. And then, and then I just kind of got it. And, you know, now it's just a skill you have. But I think I'm good at like faking my way through a lot of instruments, even <laughs> though I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, well, debatable, man. <laughs> Your records are amazing. So, uh, which is interesting. How? When did you make that transition? Because your your songs don't have that like you know hardcore emo yeah. tone to them. Yeah. So, like, how? Like, where did you just progress into like okay, you know, the, the hardcore scene kind of fizzled out, and then like yeah, there were some bands that like carried over, I guess. You know, like Manchester Orchestra. We're oh, sure, that's big a great Atlanta example. band and. They sort of broke out of that scene and now they're like, there's still obviously like hints of the emo music and who else? Um, uh, I had a, I had another band in mind, but I'm totally blanking on them. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it just like naturally started discovering like Tom Waits and like listening to more like Bob Dylan stuff and then like getting into like Queens of the Stone Age and like just branching out a bit more. And I mean, I was always like a huge Bruce Springsteen fan growing up, you know, cause my dad and, um, we also listened to like Roxy music and I don't know. Oh, like, that's cool. You're the second person I've talked to recently that said brought up Roxy music and I haven't heard that name yeah. for 10 years prior. Like love yeah. is a drug is a jam. And then like, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I just, it just naturally evolved into like, writing singer songwriter type music i guess um i mean i i played in like more rock rock bands uh before old sea brigade you know in like my early 20s like i was in a band and i was wanting it to sound a bit more like the strokes and like king's leon but mm-hmm. we sounded a bit more like you know Soundgarden or audio slave and um the singer we had was really really good but that didn't really catch on and then i'd always written my own songs um, that were more in the singer songwriter vein. So I just, I, the first song I put out was a song called love brought weight. And that was like 2015 and like Spotify was kind of getting going then and playlisting and all of the, all of that. And I just happened to sort of luck out and people started adding that song to like playlists in the Netherlands and in Germany. And then, you know, I just kept putting out music and things, there was sort of a, spiderweb effect um and things it didn't like explode but it definitely turned into something where i was like oh like this is the first time something's really stuck with like my music and like i could see a way to build a career out of this Mm -hmm. i'd always worked in recording studios growing up and interning or assisting and so um i uh signed a record deal and used some of the money to build a little studio and just kind of been building on that ever since that's incredible so love brought way was your first song you put out as yeah. uh, old C- oh my gosh <laughs> that's incredible i mean what like you have like 47 million plays on that song i remember being crazy. so excited when i hit like like fifty thousand. i was like this is crazy yeah that's cool well so you worked in studios and as an engineer prior to uh, uh yeah like off? yeah like intern assistant i would never be like the main engineer but uh, still, did you go to college for that or school? For no, that? I just, I started, you know what? I worked at, when I was in Atlanta, I worked at a studio called Glow in the Dark with a producer, Matt Goldman, mm-hmm. um, who produced like 
going back to the emo music like under oath and copeland and wow uh all those types of bands so i was around that a lot and just learned a lot from him and um through that internship i met my buddy jeremy griffith who produced love brought weight and he's produced a lot of he produced my first record and he's also just one of my best friends and we stayed friends for like the past 15 years mm-hmm. um but i met him because he was renting out the b room at matt goldman's studio in atlanta oh uh, wow so yeah and then he ended up producing you know love brought weight which you know really got old sea brigade going i have to credit him for helping me really find my sound too um, so it's just funny how those things, they find a way back, you know, even if it's sure. like 10, 15 years in the past. That's interesting. When, yeah. when Love Broadway became, you know, successful and it started getting all these plays, is that when record labels started reaching out to you? Uh, yeah. Or was it later? Okay. Yeah. It was still like, I think it had maybe a million or 2 million plays at the time. Wow. Okay. Uh, and did you have the whole EP out yet or no? Uh... I think I did. Yeah, I did have it out. Um, okay. And then, uh, yeah, I signed with this label network, and um, they've been really supportive. And it's it's been a good partnership. Um, so then they have huge artists on it, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. they do. I mean, they have the Coldplay yeah. on their label and stuff. Yeah. So you were probably uh, aware of the of the of the label. Was there any other? Yeah, I remember, you know, it's war type thing going on or is it well, you knew you want to go with them? I knew a little bit about network in the past, but I so Jeremy knew an A&R there who they used to have like a pretty big Nashville footprint, I guess, and I think they've they they're not really here in the city anymore. They're out in LA, but mm-hmm. um I remember driving I was still living in Atlanta when I started Old Sea Brigade because I moved back home. I was living at my parents' house and um, I drove, I drive up to Nashville to play shows all the time. And I remember driving up one time, like to play a show for this A&R at network. And, uh, we got there and like found out like they weren't coming to the show and I was like kind of bummed. And then like six months later, like the head of the label hit me up and was just like, do you want to like work with us? I was like, wow. Yes. <laughs> Did you tell him that you, that he, they stood you up? Yeah. I was like, someone stood me up. I don't know who, but I still haven't found out. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So once you put out, so you already had the the EP out, and then yeah. the first record you put out with them was "Wash Me Away." Yeah, I think was that it. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. Okay. And, and just put out a couple EP. I think I put out like three EPs with them. Then put out the first um, record. The first record, and uh, there was a time I was just like putting out so much music, <laughs> like it was every like six weeks, just kept going and going, which was which was nice. Um, and then I put out. <laughs> Singles or were you putting out like EPs that quickly? Uh, it would be like three singles and then like put out an EP that like a five song EP, then just release like you know the two more songs with the EP. Okay. Um, so did that for a while and toured a lot, did a lot of like opening slots. Um, got to like tour over in Europe and um, which was, was that like? Have you ever been there before? Um, I went to london one time when i was a little kid with my grandma um so that was like my first time really getting to explore um and it was great um and my manager is actually based over in the uk so um it's it was fun he like came over and or came out and tour managed and um we went all over and i found i've i've found like as time's gone on that i've had a 
bigger footprint, I guess, in uh, in Europe and like Germany and the Netherlands and stuff. Like if I play in Nashville, no one will come to like maybe ten people will come to the show. Uh, I'll come. My whole family will come. Thank you. Know. Okay, so, <laughs> so we got four. Okay, fourteen. <laughs> uh, so I never really like focused on Nashville. I've kind of just focused more on like you know Europe. Yeah, Europe. Is that weird going out to like Netherlands where maybe you had never been, and then there's this huge crowd of people ready ready to hear your music? Um, well, it wasn't a huge crowd, but it'd be like a hundred people, which to me it's still but like still a hundred people in a place that you've never been, in a country you've never been to. Yeah, there's a hundred yeah. people there that know your record. Yeah, that that blows my mind, and I'm always like, why are you here? Like that's my <laughs> mindset. Why are you here? And then my, then then it goes from that to please don't leave <laughs> like sure. th- like there has to be some catch like please don't <laughs> please like don't an leave. imposter type syndrome there yeah. i guess i don't know it's it's a weird thing i've, I've gotten more comfortable with it now but it, mm-hmm. it was a weird adjustment um sure because i'm not like a naturally uh like i don't think i'm a very type a type person i mm-hmm. suppose so i i earlier on i struggled a lot with stage fright and stuff but i've gotten to be more comfortable now um so it's like it's a learning thing for sure mm-hmm. and do you play with a you play with a full band or did, were you going out by yourself um in europe i would play the first tour opening tour i played by myself um and uh i was opening for a band called joseph and um that was that was great and then i came back over and did a headline tour and that was me and uh another guitar player. So it was just like a duo, still kind of like acoustic setup. And then the next tour, whenever we're, we're hoping we can go over and tour in the springtime 2022 mm-hmm. and that'll be a full band, but it just gets so expensive to bring a band over. Um, oh, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> you got to pay everybody and get everyone there and back. And yeah, I can't, it's is a it a lot different playing with a full band? Yeah. I love it. Like I really, I, there's something special about like solo acoustic, and all of that but i get way more excited playing with a full band um and i feel like the musicians i've have around me now like they're i'm so lucky to like be able to call up like you know my buddy steven who plays keys for me or my friend jillian who plays drums and um they're just amazing musicians who inspire me and i feel like make me play better um and it's just i i think because i grew up playing in bands i like kind of miss the the sort of camaraderie of it especially when Mm -hmm. you're about to walk on stage and with the band it just feels more comforting to me or more familiar in a lot of ways yeah it must be difficult to just kind of walk out there by yourself and like okay (laughs) hey everybody and then you know play yeah then you have to have like something to say between every song otherwise it's like super awkward (laughs) yeah you got to come up with your own little banter was that hard to do um, I have a friend who's a comedian and like, I run jokes by him. I'm like, is this funny? He's like, don't say that. Or, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Does he feed you some material? He's like, no, yeah. say this instead. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, tell him about how we used to play in a screamo band. I was like, okay, yeah, that'll work. That's good. <laughs> so, oh, do a friend comes out your first full length and then do you yeah. do like a U.S. tour or like go back to Europe? Like what, what yeah, uh, did support big, did you do? Did a uh, big U.S. tour, um, did a month on the road here and then played Nashville. Then literally the next day, me and the guitar player uh, flew from Nashville to London, got picked up in London and 
we went to play a festival in Liverpool, I think. And then it started a full month over there. So that was like two months nonstop of touring. And wow. It was a lot of fun looking back, but it also like wrecked me. Um, it was just exhausting. And mm-hmm. um, I want to try to figure out now going forward a balance of like not having to go out and tour for two months straight because I just can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. that could, I can't even imagine how exhausting that must be. Yeah. It's just get it's like repetitive almost like okay you're gonna go play a show and then it's like okay i gotta go sleep yeah, so we, like wake up in a new city and you don't really get to see we'd be in all these cool cities and i'm i'm not complaining i don't mean to complain by any means because no, i think sure. what i'm getting to do is like incredibly privileged mm-hmm. and um i try to take it all in um with that said there are like you don't really get to like go out and like if you're in paris you don't get to go out and really like tour paris type thing yeah the venue then you sound check then you maybe go get dinner then play um but i think too like the venue i'm playing like small you know 200 cap club so it's i like to you know hang out talk with the crowd afterwards sell merch or have a drink with people or whatever but i think one thing i learned on that was like everyone like when people come out to see you play, like that's their night out for the week or two weeks or whatever. And like they, mm-hmm. a lot of times people want to like stay out and party and stuff. And then, you know, when you're, when I find myself like, you know, falling into that routine every night that you create some um, unhealthy habits. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, I can, you could really wear yourself thin. I'm sure pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, you live and learn and, um, but it, it was also, it's just like so much, it was so much fun. And like throughout the whole pandemic, I've had a lot of time to really, re- really reflect um, on those tours. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel, you know, very grateful on all the like people I've met, you know, like even just like rant, like a random sound guy in Stockholm or like the, you know, I just like just stuff like that, just getting to meet all these amazing people. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So did that tour, then came back and, um, trying to think. I guess did a couple tours after that in the states, uh, but nothing like, um, not not like a full headline type run. I think I did a couple opening, uh, shorter tours, and then the pandemic hit. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Were were you on the road when the pandemic hit, or um, were no, you I, at home? I was home in Nashville. I uh, I had just gotten off doing a couple shows with a band called the Franklin Electric, who are a Canadian band and they're really big in uh, um, Quebec. And we just played this place called Metropolis in Montreal. And it was like a 2,500 person show. And that was the last show we played. Um, And then he came down to Nashville and I produced a couple songs for him and we wrote. And I remember when we were working on his EP here, uh, that's when like stuff started getting weird. And we were like, "Uh, is this like, oh, maybe like you should, go back home and we can pick back up in like three weeks when when this COVID blows thing over yeah. <laughs> um and here we are like uh, 19 months later yeah whatever it's been <laughs> uh, oh man okay so well at least you're home I've and you weren't like stuck in europe trying to you know under yeah. the gun trying to figure out how to get back yeah exactly but wow. So while you're in, in quarantine, is that when you write motivational speaking? I know you had a record that came out in 2020 too, an EP, right? Um, or was that something you worked on with somebody else? You had a collaborative oh, record, right? Oh yeah. With Luke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Luke and I wrote that before everything hit. Uh, oh, okay. 
and we recorded that like December of 2019. So okay. we kind of had that, and we didn't really know what to do. Then when the pandemic hit, we just put out those songs. And uh, okay, so it was something that was a project that was complete. It wasn't like something yeah. you both worked on like virtually or or no, anything like that. No. Okay. Um, and people ask us a lot about that because the songs do like kind of they sound like they were quarantine you know pandemic inspired songs but i'm mm -hmm. not sure like you could take any song and uh, you know any sad song and sort of spin it in a way where like oh this is probably about the pandemic you know? <laughs> right right right, oh, right. God, i promise like I haven't, <laughs> I, I haven't even written i'm like when i'm writing i try to just like block out all of the you know crazy pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like i'm not writing in pandemic you know inspired songs i heard some like country song about like it's called like six feet apart and i was like this is the dude word. i've heard too many of these i've heard so yeah. many of them like <laughs> i will say like 21 pilots did a pretty good job of it like they had, they put that song level because a level of concern have you okay. heard that one i haven't no oh uh, and i was actually like wow okay this is like done right like because yeah. they don't even really mention it and it's just very like you know it could be about a girl or it could be about it was just like the way they did it was really brilliant i mean obviously yeah. they're brilliant artists from what they've achieved but yeah of course yeah. um then you hear something like what well, somebody put out one another one that i heard called six feet apart yeah and they were like benjamin I, or somebody like that and i was just like this is pretty cringy i was like i miss my friends i was like yeah we all miss our friends like, <laughs> right exactly <laughs> that's <Okay>. normal <laughs> right right exactly if you're stuck inside for forever like, you're gonna miss people we get it um so tell me about motivational speaking then that wasn't obviously we just talked about how it wasn't really yeah. quite inspired by the pandemic, but was it yeah. something you started writing while you yeah. were inside? Yeah. I mean, I, some of the songs like salt and, um, what other ones I'm forgetting like high times, a couple of others, like I'd written sort of during the, when I, I think when I was working on Ode to a friend and they just didn't feel ready yet. And mm -hmm. then a lot of the songs I was writing on the road when I was touring Ode to a friend and then, we we actually worked on motivational speaking for a while um like right when i got back from that big headline tour we my my buddy owen lewis who co-produced the record with me um him and i dove in and started recording uh motivational speaking uh you know pretty soon after that last tour so we'd been working on it for a while and then the we we would do like one or two songs and then you know take a month off and produce for somebody else or i would go do a little tour here and there um but uh yeah so we basically like finished the record before the pandemic hit and then everything obviously shut down and then we found ourselves with all this extra time so then we decided to go back and kind of like rework the record a little bit like the record was already mastered and everything like i remember going out taking a run and like listening to the record start to finish and i was like this is good but i think i could beat it you know i think i could just make it a little bit better which i guess could also be like a not the most productive way to view it because like nothing's ever done but we did have all this extra time on our hands mm -hmm. to say uh, do you think that could have so you do you feel like the record wouldn't have sounded like it does now if it wasn't for having all that time to sit and like ponder yeah. with it yeah definitely <laughs> Okay. Uh, like we like we recorded day by day a couple times like we changed the key and stuff changed the tempo um uh yeah i just remember like go and like owen would go back and like just want to remix songs but like in a different way just a totally different way not like turning up the snare drum or like really 
bringing out like different elements that were maybe a bit more hidden in mm -hmm. previous mixes. So we, uh, yeah, we just kind of had tried to have fun with it. Um, I think we were a bit exhausted of the, <laughs> with the record by the time we were done because it was like two years. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the best thing to say in a promo thing, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure a lot of artists could relate to. Yeah, like, you, you work on the record and you're just you're around these songs all the time and you know them inside out. And like we were, I was producing it too with Owen, and uh, so there was just really it was like all I was thinking about and you're just going to get like song fatigue and like your perception of the record's going to change. So I was like the whole time trying to remember like, okay, people are going to hear this for the first time. And like, mm -hmm. hopefully they're not going to be sick of it, you know, like the same way I was for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I say that I was really proud of the record too. Um, but I think it was just because we worked on it for two years straight. <laughs> uh, was was so. it something that you would have to, or did it get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to set the record. I'm not even going to think about it or try to listen to it for like a week and then come back and set some, like some new ears on it. Or yeah, did you I, never spend time like that? Yeah, I, I tried to do that. Um, and then when we got it mastered, I listened to it one time and I was like, this is, I, I was really proud of it. Then I put it away. Like I didn't listen to it. I still don't really listen to it now. I mean, I don't love listening to like, I, I don't love listening to like my own music because I'll just overthink it. It's the same way, like, I can't listen to myself speak. So like, I'll probably never listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'll just listen to other, other episodes, but I'll just cringe at hearing myself speak. Uh, <laughs> just like your own worst critic type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, that, that's just, you know, that's just me, uh, you know, maybe down the road, I'll go back and listen to the record, but uh, you know, I mean, I guess I do have to listen to it to figure out how to, play some of the arrange some of the songs for a live setting um mm -hmm. we did a couple like in studio recordings and that was a lot of fun and that was a fun way to reimagine the songs for a live setup but um uh yeah i mean and i also think too they just the arrangements will like transform as time goes on and mm -hmm. uh who knows where they'll be at when when we're able to tour <laughs> Right, or when you have a band together. To go yeah, to I mean, they'll still sound like the songs, but it might mm -hmm. just be a bit different. Mm -hmm. When you said you did a studio sessions, were those like a live stream deal? or? Yeah, yeah, okay. we did. Uh, we, so we did, obviously, since we couldn't do a release show, we did like this uh, free live stream event. And like, I played a couple songs acoustic, played a couple songs with the band, did like a Q&A thing. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, it was, I've never done something like that before. And luckily mm -hmm. it went over smoothly. So, um, but That's it was, nice. yeah, it was great. Like we got to go into a really nice studio and, you know, record the songs, film them, had an amazing band. So had Owen who makes the record engineer it. So yeah. Was that was the great. first time you had played with people yeah. in a room like that in a while? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like a year and a half, it was, I remember when we like started playing the first song, I think the first song we recorded was was how it works and i was i couldn't stop smiling i mean it's like it sounds cheesy but i was just so happy and i was like oh this is like this is that what i was missing mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, for, for the last year and a half and i i didn't realize it until i started playing with the band and i was like oh my gosh this feels so good that's was so therapy, cool you know yeah right i'm sure i'm very emotional have and yet 
you haven't yet like played in front of people like face to face yet or have you i did no i've done a couple like private zoom shows which have, you know you make them as good as you can but there's obviously a lot of limitations over zoom and then i did like i've done a couple of private like backyard shows and stuff but i haven't done like a proper show yet like show show i was supposed to do a show last the other week in greenville with saint paul and the broken bones but uh paul got sick before the show so we had to cancel it uh, do you have anything <laughs> lined up as far as shows um i'm playing like a festival and um like outside of sacramento at the end of august but i'm just gonna play it acoustic and yeah. but i don't have any full band shows quite yet we're working on a couple things that are in the works that'll hopefully be able to be announced in the next couple weeks so that's exciting that's yeah. exci- i'm i'm sure you're even that show that you're playing out in sacramento I'm pr- you're probably pretty pumped about that i would imagine yeah it'd be fun to like i mean i have no idea how it's gonna go because like i haven't been in front of a proper audience in so long i've, probably, on your, I've been running your jokes by your buddy yeah <laughs> i'm gonna be texting him like the whole time like yeah, give me some material some solid zingers <laughs> you've had a while to, to... <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I'm stoked that you're actually, you know, the stuff's opening up enough that people are playing again. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, things. Yeah. I mean, obviously like the Delta variant and all that is scary and, you know, yeah. who, everything still feels so uncertain, but, you know, I think there's a, there's obviously a way to bring back live music in a safe way. And it, it just, I think it just needs to come back. I mean, there's so many people that are reliant on it and, you know, for like their job and, Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just they've been hit so hard this past you know year and a half so especially the crew guys right yeah I mean, oh my gosh yeah. they don't ha- don't have any sort of residual like you know song writing income or yeah, anything like that or, they're just yeah like, yeah anything yeah crew guys and like the independent venues it's yeah uh, yeah it's been awful um so but you know i think things are now looking up i i know i have my eye on a lot of shows that i want to see you know mm-hmm. same here same <laughs> here and bonnaroo is gonna apparently happen in what like a month so we'll see yeah. about that one yeah, that, <laughs> that, yeah. um yeah i think isn't Lollapalooza happening this weekend or something i feel like there's so many festivals now that are that are back I think, oh i think it is happening this weekend actually yeah. didn't it start already it might have already started might yesterday have. or today i don't remember yeah at the I did vaguely remember hearing something about that. So that, that'll be, I guess, a very telling example of yeah. what, what will happen. There's a big, there's kind of like a post-emo music festival happening in Chicago. I can't remember. Maybe it's- Is it Riot Fest? Is it Riot Fest? Yeah. But that's, yeah. Like a one. that's been going on for a while, right? Yeah, that's a pretty big one. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to that. I know, so do I. They used uh, to do a couple of them. I thought they did Chicago and maybe one other city, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that that's like a legit. I mean, yeah, that's like staring <laughs> at the poster. Like, I feel so nostalgic right now. Just like right, right. Like there's they're still playing and they're still playing. Yes, <laughs> I know. It's funny to hear um, now, just being older and like growing up with those bands. I yeah. remember taking back Sunday. Did like right before the pandemic, they did that tour where they played the first record in full, and then they flipped a coin. Did you hear about this? And then no. like. The, and it either landed on one side, they played the third record louder now, or they played the second record, Where You Want to Be. 
And but they always played the first album. And I was like, I remember like seeing Taking Back Sunday when they only had like the first album. So like going yeah. back and hearing them play the full first album again, it was like so crazy. Oh, right. <laughs> like yeah. it'd been so many years. That yeah, they were a great live band too. I yeah, they're fun, definitely. Yeah. Well, I dude, hopefully you'll play Nashville soon. We'll come check you out. Yeah, definitely. Um hopefully maybe this this fall. I or like wintertime for sure. Um, we're trying to get some things in place. So cool. cool. I can't, can't wait. Well, Ben, dude, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I have one more question for you. I want to know yeah. if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, I would say like, don't overthink everything. Just like focus on writing, writing the best songs you can and like recording them in a way that that you are that you're proud of and i think people are um people naturally kind of gravitate towards it because you know i especially in music like when you're trying to like write a song or record a song in a certain way to fit into a genre people can sort of smell the bullshit in it all so um you know it sounds cheesy but just be true to yourself and yeah don't overthink it just keep your head down and keep keep writing keep recording just go out play shows stuff will naturally fall in place Bring it back where it